Welcome to the official podcast where the bombs get thrown. I'm your host, May Shayla Bogan, and I introduce to you the Mike Bomb Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast. This is your host, May Shayla, kicking it at you on this beautiful Monday evening. So it's a lot that, you know, it's been happening around the sports world, you know, since I've been gone on my little break or whatever. So now we're getting into it. So on this episode, um, we're kicking it off talking about the NBA playoffs because that's something to me that needs to get talked about more than it did the previous episode, as if you listen to this podcast, you know I got into when game one of the first round of the NBA playoffs have started. All of this being said, you know, game results, etc. We're now in the semi-conference finals, I believe. So, yeah, just like that, you know, the season is coming close to an end, which is a great thing. Great but sad thing because it's been one hell of a season in the NBA. So the first round, obviously, you know, I'm going to just be Captain Obvious here in this first part where I'm going to give you the game results, things of that nature, talk about, you know, why things wind up the way they did. And we're just going to start off with the game between the Phoenix Suns and the New Orleans Pelicans. I think I speak for everyone when I say... Even though it did not come, the series did not end between them and the Suns the way the Pelicans would want it to end or Pelican fans would hope for it to end. But if you want to speak on exceeding expectations and things of that nature, I think the Sun. I mean, not the Suns, sorry. The Pelicans did exactly that and here's why. Nobody, and I think I speak for everyone, or nearly everyone but Pelican fans, possibly some of them. But point being, nobody expected the Pelicans to make it as far as they did. And, you know, the NBA season, this upcoming NBA season. When we spoke on favorites of, you know, who's to make the playoffs, who's to make the finals, who's to make a run, etc., etc., nobody had the New Orleans Pelicans as their, you know, as one of their favorites or their ultimate favorite. Nobody. So automatically, you know, yes, it was a tough loss against a very experienced Phoenix Suns team who was just in the NBA Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks the previous season where obviously the Bucks won. Giannis won MVP. We all know that. Um, but unfortunately, they fell short to Phoenix. You know, Phoenix wound up winning the series 4-2. to two. And advancing to now where they're playing the Dallas Mavericks, where they're leading 2-1. to one. All of this being said, Pelican fans, the future is bright for you because this is a real young team. And if I'm not mistaken, 
your star player Zion Will Williamson did not play this series. So the fact that you even got that far the way you got, and especially within the game results, there's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, you exceeded expectations. You did everything there was to do this year, except for obviously win the NBA Finals, but the teams that were expected to be far aren't in the lights of the Los Angeles Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets, which is something I'm going to get into on this episode later on in the podcast as well. But to be as far, to make it as far as you did, to sneak in, to outdo, you know, teams like the Lakers who were favored and, you know, other teams as well. It's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, you're a real young team with Brandon Egram, Zion Williamson, you know, the young guys leading the way. The future is bright in um, New Orleans, in my opinion. Because, like I said before, I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to be ultimately repetitive on this podcast episode. So, if I annoy the hell out of anybody, sorry, in advance. I apologize in advance. But, the Pelicans... Nothing to be ashamed. No one had you win in the series. Obviously, you will hope, especially with the, you know, the two games that you did win, falling short in the series, you know, two to four from the Pelican standpoint. But in the end, in the end, there's, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Obviously, you took the Suns to limits that we thought you wouldn't take them to. Game one, it was one twenty, it was one ten to ninety nine. That's what, an 11-point loss? Even though it's like double digits. So I understand, you know, if you're a little disappointed there. You came back, you took game two, 125 to 114. Then you, obviously, they took game three, where they beat you by three at home. Um, The fact that you went to their house and beat them once, which is real shocking to me, because I expected you to win your games in New Orleans, but obviously them to close out the series... At home. But obviously I didn't look too much into you know where each game would be. I was just aware that you guys were playing one another. So you know for the inaccuracy that I automatically apologize for. But yes. So yeah. you, You came back. You went back to you know Phoenix after you lost by 11 the first game in Phoenix. You came back game two. You beat them 125 to 114. Devin Booker going down. He's back now against the series against the Mavs, which is a good thing for Suns fans because obviously if you are looking to make a run, he is a big factor in that. Arguably the biggest factor behind Chris Paul and maybe Jay Crowder. But we're going to get into more of that down the road in this episode. Anyways, obviously... You you came back, you beat them by 11, you know, game two. Game three, they got you by three, 114 to 111. You took game four at home by, you know, 15 points. You 118 to 103. They obviously came back, had answers that you didn't have, and beat you the past two games. So game five, you know, game four, you won. 118 to 103. Game five, you lost. Game six, you lost. So game five, you lost. 112 to 97. Then you know you lost by six in the final game of the series, which was, oh yeah, correct me. You came back game six, correct me, and you beat them 115. I meant correct me. The Suns beat you 115 to 109. 
and obviously advancing to the semi-conference, you know, semi-conference finals where they're now playing against the Dallas Mavericks and they lead the series two to one. Dallas beating them at in, in Dallas in game two. I mean, game four of that series, I believe, is, you know, I believe will be, yeah, yeah, um, in Dallas as well. Was in Dallas as well. Anyways, this is something that, you know, was an incredible series. Um, this, the Pelicans, obviously, if you're a Suns fan, you fear for life after Chris Paul because... You know, there's there's a lot to, you know, look into as obviously he's getting up there in age and he's hungry for a ring. Devin Booker's hungry for a ring due to the shortcomings of last season. But you're a Pelicans fan. You're like, whoa, this team just took arguably the best team in the Western Conference Finals to the limits. And we nearly took them to a Game 7, which was very shocking to me, even though Devin Booker did go down. But... You were still outnumbered within talent with Jay Crowder, with, you know, Chris Paul and them guys. And the experience that they have versus, you know, if you're a Pelicans fan, you understand your experience, which you're outnumbered then, you know. And not having Zion Williamson during that process clearly tells you everything that you need to know about your team in, in a good way. But now that, you know, that series is pretty much done being talked about, we're going to move on. Speaking of the Dallas Mavericks, who is the Suns' opponents, they went on to finish their series by beating the Utah Jazz, winning the series 4-2. Obviously, that was the number four seed in the West playing the number five seed, which is why, well, we have the series that we have now within, you know, between them and the Phoenix Suns. Um... A lot of people knocked at my door when pretty much when I favored the Mavericks as, you know, the dark horse candidates, I could say, or dark horse favorites um, of going to pretty much going to the um, NBA finals. I mean, yeah, you could say they don't have a big man, but they got enough talent on that team to overcome that. So the real question is, are they going to need a big man? Cause who's to say the Bucks is going? Who's to say the Bucks is coming back? You know, if they do come back, I think I gotta go with you know the the Miami Heat to be the opponents they're gonna play because I think the Bucks is gonna win their series against the Celtics. I think they pretty much got that put away. You know, unfortunately for Celtics fans who came off a dominant you know series against the Brooklyn Nets, which is something. I'm going to get into this episode as well because there's a lot about the Nets to talk about right now within obviously disappointing season, expectations not being met, you know, as a team not playing up to their full potential. It's it's a lot. It's a lot to get into within there. But back to the Mavericks. Yeah, they defeated the Utah Jazz, you know, 4-2 in the series. You know, Luka Donig being his normal self, I would say. Averaging about 25 points per game in those series. Um, even the games that they did lose. So, it's like... The Mavs should be dark horse candidates because... In a good way, for Mavs fans, you don't really know what you're getting for the team. And there's a lot of hope in that city right now. Especially within that team because... 
This team is young. People don't get it. The Mavs are not an old team. Like these, this is young guys running up and down that court, and they're only gonna stay down so long, you know. So we never know what we're gonna get, and I think that they have enough what it takes, you know, to come out the West and and um yes, so they you know they have enough to come out the West and obviously win the finals. But the question is, are they gonna get there? Not can they? Because we I think we all know they can get there. Obviously, they wouldn't be this far if they couldn't. And the series between them and the Phoenix Suns, who are the number one seed in the West, wouldn't be what it is right now if they couldn't. But point being is this. Beating the Utah Jazz was obviously a real, well, not a shocker to me, but a shocker to many because a lot of people had the Jazz winning that series, especially after game one in Dallas where they beat the Mavericks 99-93. Dallas obviously, you know, retaliated and bounced back beating the Jazz 110-104 in Dallas and then, you know, went back to uh, Utah to beat the, to beat the Jazz 126-118. Then turned around and lost to them, obviously by one in Utah, where the Jazz beat the Mavericks, one hundred to one hundred to ninety nine. Obviously, the Mavs closed out the series in Game Six by beating, you know, the Utah Jazz by two to ninety eight to to ninety six. So, yes, there's there's um plenty. When I say plenty, I mean like plenty. Plenty of stuff to get into with that. Um, now they're on to playing the, obviously playing the Phoenix Suns where they're down the series, you know, one to two. Phoenix got the series two to one right now, but or had the or had it two to one right now. Um, this is a lot to get into. I mean, when I say a lot, I mean a lot. Um. Obviously, the game game one between them was a good. This been some great games between these two. Obviously, game two was not that great in Phoenix for the Mavericks, um, but game one they only lost by seven, so it was one twenty one to one fourteen. Then they turned around and lost again to the Suns one twenty nine to one o to one o nine. Not you know not a good taste in your mouth if you're a Mavericks fan because obviously with this young team, even though the expectations are high but not the highest. I'll say in the West, you obviously expect better, but what a bounce back you had when you beat the um, Suns in Dallas, one hundred three to ninety four. So it's it's you know it's nothing to be ashamed of. And then you got another game. Obviously, you had another game Sunday, so we'll see how that goes. Um, you got another game Sunday where you beat them. What you beat them. Um, you know, you got a great shot of beating them, is what I'll say. When I say you got a great shot of beating them, you got a great shot because you never know, like, what's, you know, what's going to be what. And obviously, you being in Dallas, you gain the advantage because now you're at home. But you do got to go back for game five to Phoenix. But you did beat them game one of that series. Actually, no, you didn't. So, my fault. So, yeah, you got to beat them in Phoenix, though. You got to beat them in Phoenix because, one, to, you know, obviously you want to tie the series if you're in Dallas. You know, you want to go in there, but you also want to take the lead as well. And then you want to close the series at home, which is very possible. 
But the one thing I wouldn't recommend you doing is obviously losing. I definitely wouldn't recommend you losing game four. I definitely wouldn't recommend you losing. Definitely wouldn't recommend you losing, you know, game five of the series. So back-to-back losses is, you know, not even the conversation because you don't want to lose the series four to one because you don't want them to go up four to one, obviously, because they win the series and you're eliminating. But I will tell you this. You win these next two games, you can win the series because it wouldn't make sense to have a game seven because it's the best of what? Best of five, best of seven? Nine times out of ten, and yeah, I don't see how one game would make a difference. I really don't. Especially, you know, you will want to win this series if you're the Dallas Mavericks because then it could be you and the Golden State Warriors where you have the advantage because you beat the Warriors 3-1 to one in your regular season series. You did. So, this is a team that should be favored because look at, look at what the Mavericks done, you know? Look at what the Mavericks done. Look, just just look at it. Like, when the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, obviously I got them going to the NBA Finals, but I got the Mavs as my dark horse favorites. And the reason is because they beat the best teams that you have to offer in the West. They did. You know, obviously the Suns are their kryptonite, but if they get past the Phoenix Suns, which they got a strong shot of doing, are we going to be talking about the Dallas Mavericks as these quote-unquote underdogs the same way? I don't think so. I don't think you could afford to, especially when they beat the Warriors in the regular season series 3-1. to one, You know? And that's including the games that you did, you did get Klay Thompson back, who's, by the way, playing exceptional this series. Um, what a great bounce back for Klay Thompson. I'm so I'm so happy for him right now. Obviously, the Warriors coming off a strong win against the Denver Nuggets, um, who was the sixth seed while they was the third seed. They won that series 4-1. to Obviously, closing out the series, I believe it was at home in Golden State. Now, let's go to the Memphis Grizzlies, um, who beat the, you know, who beat the Timberwolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves, 4-2 to in that series. Um, a lot can be said about that. When I say a lot, I mean a lot because, you know, it's it's obviously no one had Minnesota winning that because, let's face facts here, the Timberwolves were pretty much outnumbered, even though they did blow a 16-point deficit um, with, you know, John Morant coming back. Um, the the Grizzlies bouncing back. Now they're in the series with the Warriors, who they have a 3-1 to regular season series over. So, but I told people, let the Warriors get hot. Let Klay Thompson get back to his normal self with Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, and all these other guys. We're going to be talking about the Warriors a lot more than people thought. And I, listen, even as a Laker fan, I picked the Warriors to, to, you know, to come out the West because of their experience, their, their, their phenomenal offensive and defensive playing. Obviously, their experience together outnumbers the best that the league has to offer. It does because you never, it's like, okay, not only first, you, you knew coming in, you know, when you see the Warriors, you think about two players, two X factors. You think about Klay Thompson, you think about Steph Curry. 
the Splash Brothers. It's like, you can lock up one, but you're not locking them both up. You're not stopping them both. And one of them can tear your whole damn team apart. Let a, One of them. And obviously, I wouldn't want to go to a game six with Klay Thompson. That's a heads up for the Tim. That's a heads up for the Grizzlies. Don't let this go to a game six, or you can pack it up. Cause that's when, to me, Klay Thompson plays his best basketball. But back to the series. Um, I think it's time to speak on the Memphis Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors series more because. Golden State just dominated, you know, game three. Um, obviously, 142 to 102, I believe the score was. Or was it 142 to 112? Um, really can't remember off the top of my head. I do remember it being at least, and this is at least, a 20-point deficit. And the Warriors scoring, you know, the second most team points in, you know, the second most points in franchise history. That's a lot to accomplish against the number one seed, the Memphis Grizzlies, who, you know, you in the regular season, unfortunately, as a team, was one and three against. And when you're that against a team and then you come out and perform like this and you're leading the series, it's a great news for Warrior fans because if I'm not mistaken, you possibly could get game four at home. Because game two, game three, game, yeah, this is game four now. And... Let's just say if you're a Grizzlies fan, I'll be scared. I'll be scared because I've seen this Warriors team before and I'll let you know heads up. This is the same Warriors team that went to the finals. So yes, game four is actually in Golden State, which is actually, you know, Monday night. So that's a great thing. That's a great thing if you're in the, yes, I am picking the Warriors to take a three to one series. Obviously... The Grizzlies to come back and bounce back at home Wednesday night to, to you know, semi-even up that series, making it 3-2. to two. Then I got the Warriors, and brother, I got the Warriors to close it out Game 6. Game 6 at home with Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, and obviously you cannot forget Andre Iguodala. Lauren, oh my god, um, wow. So, game six is actually in Golden State. Yeah, Memphis, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm, <laughs> oh my god, um, if I am a, you know, a Memphis Grizzlies fan, uh, I would let the Warriors, I will leave. Obviously, you know, some people will say, well, why would you do that when you beat them? I'm not playing the Warriors, and I'm not going to be, okay, as great as a team, a good, as good as a team as the Memphis Grizzlies is, as young and obviously elite as John Morin is, I would not want to have to come back to Golden State for game six. I would, I can tell you right now, looking at, you know, the obviously the recent you, the next matchups the next dates of the matchups and where it's going to be and when this is not the basketball team I want to play I mean my god like in Golden State so game 4 tomorrow Monday correct me Monday Monday night would be in game would be ladies and gentlemen um, it would be <laughs> in Golden State. 
then you turn right back around. Obviously, you get game five at home. Yeah, you can win that. I'm predicting that to happen in game six to close out the series. But if you're a Grizzlies fan, I'll be scared. I'll be scared because what answers are we going to have for them, especially off the dominant win they came off of, you know, Saturday night against, you know, against us by beating us, you know, 142 to 112. You know, that's a 30-point deficit. Do you want Do you want a game uh, four? And do you want a game six, which is both going to be in Golden State? There, to me, there is no way the Warriors is losing this series. And I think the Mavericks have a strong chance of coming back against the Suns if they play up to their potential. Obviously, if they don't win in Dallas tonight, I mean, if they don't win in Dallas tonight, um... If obviously if they don't win in Dallas, um, the series is pretty much over with. You can pretty much pack that series up because it's is there's no way they're coming back on that. I don't see it. Um, the Suns are too experienced. They play too well at home. I think the Mav that's gonna be a real real tall task for the Mavericks to do. That's something unfortunately I don't see them overcoming. But if they was to win in Dallas, not only can they take you know, the series, not only they could take that game, obviously, and tie the series, but they could lead and then get game six in Dallas. That's what I could see happening, you know, win game five, beat the Suns game six, which, you know, will give you the league, I mean, give you the lead, correct me, I said league, uh, lead, you know, headed into... I believe this game five, game six, game seven. Um, I can honestly see that series going, you know, to a game seven. But yes, that's pretty much my predictions for the West. Um, the Suns and the Mavs, obviously, that can be a toss up because that game with Devin Booker's health, even though he's back on the court, that can go either way. Um, I think that the Warriors, obviously, I got them taking it all the way. Um, I actually got them in the Miami Heat, who I'm going to speak on more about later on in this episode. So, yeah, I got them, and I got the Golden State Warriors in the finals. And tune in to the next part of this episode, because on the next part, I'm going to explain why. See you in a few on the Mike Bomb with me, Shayla. Welcome back to the Mike Bomb Podcast with your host, May Shayla. I'm now moving on to speaking about the, the results of the Eastern Conference within the first round of the NBA playoffs, along with what's happening currently in the conference semifinals. It's time to talk about the East because, honestly, even though we get it, it's the Wild Wild West. Obviously, they're the better conference, no question. And no, I'm not just saying this because I'm diehard Yaker. I'm a, I'm a diehard Lakers fan. I'm saying this because it's the boat on the truth. But the East, honestly, this year, they are keeping up. And let me tell you why. Because expectations within the top tier seeds are being exceeded. And... When they're being exceeded and you're getting phenomenal blast basketball playing from the players that you would expect to get exceptional basketball playing from, 
you have no choice but to give it recognition and credit and applause when it's due and it's due now, especially for the Miami Heat who dominated the series between them and the Atlanta Hawks, winning that series 4-1 in the first round of the NBA playoffs. And that's something that, you know, I'm going to kick off this, you know, part two of this podcast speaking more about. So they took game one at home in Miami, beating the Atlanta Hawks. 115-91. Then went on to beat the Atlanta Hawks at home, taking a 2 to zero, you know, two, you know, going up the series 2 to nothing by beating them in game 2, 115-105. Atlanta, you know, obviously retaliated and bounced back a little, beating the Miami Heat at home in Atlanta by 1 to from 111-110. to 110. Heat retaliated and went up the series 3 to 1. By beating, you know, the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta, 110-86. to And then closed the series and finished it by beating the Hawks at home in Miami, 97-94. to I keep telling everybody, this is why I picked the Miami Heat to come out the East. A lot of people want to holler the Celtics. I'm not going to argue that. A lot of people want to, uh, you know, holler the Bucks. But what people need to understand, Miami is tied, you know, for the record. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing of how you can argue Miami will get saved in the Eastern Conference if, you know, the Celtics doesn't get past the, the, um, the Milwaukee Bucks. Here's how. Here's the deal. The Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat in the regular se- in their regular season series, they played each other a total of four times. The series is tied two to two. But if you look at the Miami Heat versus the Boston Celtics, they ended their regular series with the Celtics winning three games out of four and the Heat only winning one game out of four. So the Celtics won that series three to one and they're a real young Boston Celtics team being led by Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That team is for real. You know, it's a it, these are some real young teams that we're talking about here going against real experienced teams, even though the Bucks is still, you know, a young team with Giannis and them guys. But still, the experience matters. And the Milwaukee Bucks been quietly building their team for a hot minute now. So the fact that, you know, the series is as close with what we saw from the Celtics in the previous series when they dominated the Brooklyn Nets, who everyone and their grandmother had coming out the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, the Eastern Conference, period. Headed into this season, the way they did, it's just, it's just mind-blowing. But let's get back to the Heat for a second, who is up on the series against the Philadelphia 76ers, 2-1 after Joe and B made his return from facial surgery, now wearing a black face mask, which is, you know, kind of look, you know, kind of hilarious, but obviously smart and brave at the same time because he realizes that his team needs him. His team needs him because James Harden and them guys wouldn't be enough to you know, overcome or even give this a fight against this, you know, aggressive, young, speedy Miami Heat basketball team. 
So his return was definitely, you know, his presence on the team was definitely missed. His skill play, etc., etc., which is why he, you know, he showed that game why he was, you know, he's the favorite to win the MVP if he haven't won it yet already. I haven't heard anything about that, which is, you know, very odd because usually by now you will hear who won what. But anyways, with all this going on in the sports world, it's a lot to get into. Um, Speaking of that series, I see that series between them and the Miami Heat. I see it going to a game... Hmm. I can see with Joe and B to being back, um, with James Harden backing them up. I can see that game series going to a five or a six. I don't see it going to a game seven because obviously Miami's, you know, the the speed and the youth of the Miami Heat is, you know, gonna, you know, it's, might just be a little too much for them to overcome. You know, the Seventy Sixers to overcome. But that also depends on the health status of Kyle Lowry. Is he going to be back in time for it to, for Miami to prevent, you know, this game from going, this series, correct me, from going to a game seven? Is he going to be back in time? Um, that's, that's the question that still lies in the air. Is he going to play the next game? Which I'm not mistaken is in Miami. If I'm not mistaken between them and the 76ers or it could be in Philadelphia. Actually, correct me, it is in Philadelphia. Game 4 is in Philadelphia. So, you know, just a little recap of this series. It was 106-92, to 92, Miami took Game 1. Game 2, Miami went up 2 to nothing when they beat the 76ers in Miami again, 119-103. And these games are without Kyle Lurie, by the way. The series so far has been without him. Then obviously the seventy, you know, the seventy sixers bounced back at home with a twenty point deficit win, beating the Miami Heat ninety nine to seventy nine, and they have and they played in you know obviously playing the Miami Heat, you know um, seventy obviously playing the Miami Heat at home in Philadelphia, which can be a great opportunity, a great window for them to bounce back and tie the series two to two. Game three, I mean, game five will be taking place in Miami. Game six will be in Philadelphia. Game seven will be in Miami. So, depending on the status of, you know, their star, obviously their sec, their co-star player, Kyle Lowry, the 76ers, there is a chance that this game could go to a game seven, especially if Kyle Lowry's not there because I don't see, you know, Jimmy Butler closing this series out against this, you know, very, you could say a hungry, you know, Philadelphia 76ers team. And in the lights being led by Joe Embiid and, them guys, and James Harden and them guys. Um, so that can definitely, 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 definitely go to a game seven. Now, do I think it will? No, I think Miami with having a game Having game five at home, having obviously still having a lead, they could beat the 76ers tonight in Philadelphia and then, you know, close the series out. So, definitely, this, this there's some definite, you know, possibilities here. Um, obviously, this the thing that I love about the Eastern Conference, you know, the, sem the conference in my finals this year in the Eastern Conference, there's no guarantees. There are no guarantees that the 
76ers are going to go home easily. There's no guarantees that Miami's going to win the series. Now, I'm picking the Heat because, obviously, the experience they're playing so far. Jimmy Butler, this will be the second time he is chasing out the ring and getting so close to it. Um, he obviously doesn't want to come up short again. He got back up now in Kyle Lurie and them guys. They're now experienced with a very experienced head coach with an awesome, awesome resume. If I'm not mistaken, with at least two to three NBA Finals championships with at least over at least four appearances in those championship runs. No, correct me. Okay, he's won three. I, I recall him losing about two to three. So he's been to like, what, six? Six conference, you know, six NBA Finals championships. So his record now in NBA Finals, if I'm not mistaken, is three to three. Three and three, correct me. So it's it, it's a real solid team. This is a real solid organization. Obviously, who built their team around Tyler Hero, um, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, them guys. These are some real young guys. P.J. Tucker, who a lot of people seem to forget about. This is not an inexperienced Miami team. They're just very young and fast, obviously. So we never know. This is why I'm picking the Heat. Because them guys, this is a team that getting is getting hot at the right time. Obviously, their win against the their loss this past week against the 76ers. Joe Embiid had to make a name, you know. He had to make it known that he's here. He's back. And the 76ers have a great shot of being back to their normal selves. That's the bottom line. He he had to make it known because <laughs> if not, then you know, and the Heat would go up four to nothing. You can really recall, you know, you could say that the seventy sixes most likely was getting swept. You can say that if they would have not won, you know, the game last night against the Heat. If they would have not won this last game with Joe and B coming back, unless they pull off what they might just pull off tonight against the Heat, which is, you know, a victory and then coming back to Miami for game two. We never know. We never know. Um this is the thing that's so interesting about the Eastern Conference finals and about the Eastern Conference because there are never no guarantees. You can say that about the West, but the West you could kind of see throughout the season who's gonna be where, what's gonna be what, but what makes the West a better conference is the fact of the exceptional play within the players, like the Steph Currys, like the Klay Thompsons, like the John Morins. Um, who else we're missing here? The Luka Donics, you know, the Nikola Jokic's, those guys, the Jay Crowders, the Devin Bookers, the Chris Pauls, the Chris Pauls of the, you know, Western Conference. Guys like that. Obviously, in the past, you had Kobe, you had Shaq, you had all the rest of them guys back in the day, in the early 2000s. But see, that's what made the West, Conf the Western Conference final. I meant the Western Conference, the more superior conference because of the players. Why the East was just so entertaining and so great to watch because the lack of the, you know, you could say the lack of, you know, being unpredictable. You never know, like, you never know what you're getting. And, and I mean that in a good way. And this...
past, you know, past two weeks or two or whatever, this past month within, you know, this tournament, that's what I've been seeing out the East. Teams that you expected to exceed obviously did. You know, I think the series that shocked everybody, especially the way that it ended, was the Boston Celtics dominating the Brooklyn Nets for the nothing. Now got questions lying to Brooklyn. Should anyone be moved? You know, who's to blame for that downfall, which is something I'm going to get into on the last part of this um, episode. Things like that. So, yes. Um, obviously, my pick is the Miami Heat. My dark horse pick will be the Boston Celtics, who is unfortunately down to the Milwaukee Bucks. 2-1. to 2-1. to one. Um, With, I think, Game 4 being in Milwaukee, or or is it in Boston? That's the question, you know. Uh, where was last game at? Um, I believe that game was in Boston, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this last game, um, between them and the Milwaukee Bucks. I believe that game was in, yeah, it had to be. Yep, no, no, no. Oh, I was actually wrong. Okay, so let me just give you a recap. Game 1, 101-89 in Boston, the Bucks took it. The Celtics tied the series 109 to, well, by beating them, by beating them in game two, 109 to 86 in Boston. Bucks bounced back at home by beating the Celtics by two, 103 to 101. And now game four is Monday night um, in Milwaukee against the Boston Celtics. Well, yeah, yeah, I just, I just really said that. Um, like, obviously, they're going against one another. It's a serious for crying out loud. But point being, point being, um, yes, game, game four will be in Milwaukee. This game, ooh, honestly, I'm gonna do a little pick 'em right here. I'm gonna pick. The Celtics to win this game. I think they want to get back at the Bucks for what they did to them game one at home. And I think the Celtics just might tie the series. And we could be getting the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics in the um conference finals. Because I don't see Miami losing that series to the 76ers. Whether it goes to a game five, six, or seven. Doesn't really matter. I got Miami winning that series because of their experience, the defensive play, speed, the power, you know, power and speed and elite play of Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. But obviously, Kyle Lowry's health will depend on how that series will go and how long it will go. So we'll see and get the updates on that. We should be getting something sooner rather than later on his health and his availability for this games, the next games, you know, of this series. Etc. Etc. But back to the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, thinking about all of this and thinking about a lot of things, you gotta take this series into consideration because an upset could be the Boston Celtics beating. By the way, the Boston Celtics, who's the number two seed, the Milwaukee Bucks is the number three seed. We could be, ladies and gentlemen. We can be getting the Miami Heat. It's a real strong possibility. And it's not just because, you know, oh, yeah, they're in the semi 
conference finals or the conference semifinals, it's because this is an advantage for them because obviously Miami beats, you know, the 76ers and then in Philadelphia, you know, tonight. And if the Celtics can close out and beat the Bucks tonight in Milwaukee, they can honestly, well, the Celtics would tie up the series, but Miami would take the lead, you know, 3-1, to one, and then with game, I believe this would be game five being in Miami, while game five between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics can be in Boston, with game six being in Milwaukee, game seven being in Boston. Now, this is a series I can see indefinitely, Going to a game seven because I don't know, but to me, the Milwaukee Bucks is not looking like the team of last year. They're still a great team, no question, but see, they look like this real unstoppable force last year. They're not looking like that now. And yes, I get it. It's the Boston Celtics who just swept the Brooklyn Nets, who I'm going to speak more about later on in this episode, four to nothing. Because there's a lot I want to get into on that. But been gone for a little while. Now I'm back. Etc. So yes. We could be getting a game 7 with here. This is a strong possibility. Either outcome of. You know. Game 4. Because if the Bucks was to win. Game 5 would be in Boston. The Celtics can actually. You know. You know. Well, yeah, actually, no, 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 no. In order for it to be a game seven, which I honestly think it will be, here's my prediction. Boston beats, you know, okay. Boston will beat the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow night at 7.30, or correct me. Yeah, we'll beat the Boston Celtics. Okay, correct me. Boston will beat, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um... In Milwaukee, then obviously I got them. Ooh, this is actually a tough one because Boston would tie the series. They, you know, they win in Boston. They'll, you know, they will gain the lead three to two. Milwaukee wins three to three in Milwaukee, and then the Celtics can close out the series and beat the Milwaukee Bucks in advance to the semi. Semi-conference finals, which honestly is a strong shot at happening. Because I think the Celtics really want to get back or get their revenge for game one loss against the Milwaukee Bucks at home. Where it was, I believe it was like a 20-point deficit. 101-89. So I think they want to get, you know, play a little game called Comeuppets within that. Which is why I'm picking them to win this game. But, yeah. I can see, yeah, this is definitely going to a game seven. And here's why. The Celtics, I think, is going to beat the Bucks. You know, they're going to beat the Bucks and, you know, Milwaukee for game four. The Bucks, obviously, is going to lose again to Boston in Boston, game five. Bounce back for game six, you know, and tie the series three to three because Boston will tie the series in Milwaukee two to two, gain the league. You know, gain the lead again in the series, gain the lead, and go up. Um, 
I'll say go up. I believe it would be well Boston tied series two to two. They would get the lead three to you know three to two, um, or it could go to, to game six. Wow, um, I actually didn't think about this. Okay, because my math is all off with this. Um, Boston beats okay. Boston beats Milwaukee and Milwaukee for game four. They tie the series. Boston wins again. They go up three to two. Right? Yep, definitely. Milwaukee will definitely, you know, win game six in Milwaukee because that would be their last home game of the season if it was to get that far. Boston could turn right back around on May 15th, that Sunday, and beat them and close the game series out and win the series. I believe that would be, let's see here, two to two. They go up three to two. Milwaukee ties the series three to three. So that would definitely go to a four to three series. Boston wins. That would be my prediction because I think the speed of the Celtics is gonna be, it's gonna be a little too much. Even though Giannis is playing exceptional basketball like he always does, and you know the Bucks obviously are behind them, but I don't see the Bucks going back. And I think this young Boston Celtics team. It's a team to be reckoned with. And a lot of people want to say the Brooklyn Nets is overrated. That I'm not going to even argue because on paper there are. I'm going to get into that more in this last part of the episode. But definitely, this is a game. Or, you know what? The Bucks could win. This, to me, would be the most interesting series in the entire, you know, semi, you know the conference semifinals because... When you look at the Warriors and the Grizzlies, automatically because it's them, you're going to pick the Warriors. Then you look at, you know, the Mavs and the Phoenix Suns. Obviously, some people don't have much faith in the Mavs winning that series. So they're going to favor the Suns. Then you're going to favor the Miami Heat. One, because they're the number one seed. Two, because they're experiencing their youth within the team, which is something that James Harden and Joe Embiid is only going to be able to keep up with for so long to obviously becomes too much for them to overcome. Miami will build that series, whether it goes to game five, six, seven, etc., and go on to win the series. So you're automatically going to pick Miami because of that alone and because the lack of faith that, you know, as a basketball fan, you will have in James Harden and win a go-home moments due to his awful history of, you know, not being able to do so, not be able to get it done in the moments that matter most. All of this being said, you can't say this about the Bucks and the Celtics because you don't know how the series can go because the Bucks could close out the series game four and five and beat the Boston Celtics. That possibility, no matter how much you don't want it to happen, especially if you're a Celtics fan, you cannot rule that out. And that's the bottom line of this. But definitely, definitely, this is a lot to get into. So... On to the Brooklyn Nets because oh, who this is it, it's a real mess. So I will see you guys on the next. No, I will see you guys real soon. Um, stay tuned on the Mike Bomb with May Shayla as I will speak on the Brooklyn Nets about that series between them and the Boston Celtics. Yes, I'm going backwards because there's a lot in Brooklyn to be spoken about to be covered, things of that nature. So. See you guys next on the Mike Bomb with May Shayla. Thank you for tuning in to the final segment of the Mike Bomb podcast. Once again, with your host, May Shayla, kicking it at you for this final segment. 
Um, it's now time to talk about a topic that's been buzzing ever since there's, you know, ever since what happened has happened or what, you know, in Boston, they would call sweepstakes. So the first round of the NBA playoffs, the Brooklyn Nets played the Boston Celtics, where unfortunately they could have win a game. In other words, um, the series ended in a way that not too many expected when they both were lined up on paper to play one another, especially coming with, you know, all the hype, all the talk that was taking place in New York, you know, this all season when they acquired James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving all on the same team. Then, you know, Ben Simmons was traded from Philadelphia in in exchange for James Harden to Brooklyn. Many expectations was for the Brooklyn Nets this year, which unfortunately was not met. They had the Brooklyn Nets to become the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and that did not happen because that title went to the Miami Heat. Number two seed was, you know, the Boston Celtics who swept the Brooklyn Nets. And then number three seed was the Milwaukee Bucks. So disappointedly for many Nets fans, um, the number ones, you know, the your fellow Brooklyn Nets didn't even fall into a top five seed in the conference, barely making the playoffs. As they snuck in as the number seven seed, behind, you know, in front of the Atlanta Hawks, Atlanta Hawks, correct me, who was the eighth seed. There's been many questions flying around ever since the Brooklyn Nets got swept by the Boston Celtics and the Celtics went to advance to the sem- to the conference semifinals. And, you know, are currently playing the Milwaukee Bucks who the Nets were supposed to play. Or many expected the Brooklyn Nets to play. Which leads to the ultimate question of who deserves the most blame for the Brooklyn Nets downfall? That's question number one that's flying in people's heads because this honestly was arguably the most disappointing season in team's history because of the lineup. At first, you had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving with James Harden. James Harden wanted out of Brooklyn. Didn't really like his role there. Vice versa with Ben Simmons in Philadelphia, which is why the exchangement via trade happened between the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. It's happened. Obviously, the Nets got, you know, Ben Simmons, who has not played a game in over in nearly a year because June is on its way versus James Harden, who's practically played games, obviously had injuries, has postseason troubles, things of that nature. All of this being said, the question is, who deserves the most blame for the Brooklyn Nets downfall? Is it James? I mean, is it um Kevin Durant? Is it? Kyrie Irving, or is it the head coach Steve Nash, or the Brooklyn Nets front office? And honestly, while you can easily blame Kevin Durant for not playing up to his potential nearly this whole series, vice versa with Kyrie Irving, because no one would expect them to alone to be swept by, you know, by a very young, inexperienced team in the Boston Celtics. 
it happened. Along with the addition of James Harden or Ben Simmons, whoever they would have came to the postseason with, you expect them both to show up. James Harden was traded, as said it numerous times already, via, you know, was traded via exchange to the 76ers. He's now with Joe Embiid and them guys in Philadelphia, while you got Ben Simmons, who has not played a game in nearly a year, here on the Brooklyn Nets. And... The news came out lately, you know, earlier last week or that he's going to be getting another surgery on his back or his first surgery, if I'm not mistaken, on his back, which will, you know, require a two to three month recovery. He's expected to make a full recovery by this upcoming season for 2022. Now, will he play is the question in the air. No, that's the the status of that is up in the air because you know a lot of people was expecting him to play game three of that series where he was supposed to return from that back injury, unfortunately didn't got a lot of criticism and not saying and not saying he shouldn't have because if anything was wrong with his back, more should have been more information you know should have been put out there, especially for Brooklyn Nets fans who are worried that. You know, what happened, what has happened, you know, well, yeah, that was worried about the outcome of, unfortunately for them, what has happened. And when you're in that boat that you're in as a Brooklyn Nets fan, it hurts. It hurts when there was hope on paper and then on film and on the court, the sink, the hope is not matching. The energy that was put on paper is not being put on the court. And you could blame coaching for the schemes, for the play calling, et cetera, et cetera. But you also got to check the players for not showing up the way they shouldn't, you know. So there's enough blame to go around in that entire organization. Yes, you could blame the front office because you need to know how to build an organization without adding players' antics or instance in every single move you made and that's what the Brooklyn Nets did do with Kevin Durant they have added you know they have took every single instant he has made even though he is their star player no question Kyrie Irving is their co-star you know James Harden or Ben Simmons whoever would have finished the season with the team which you know Ben Simmons was the one who wind up doing so it's the one you know that's their co-stars. That's that's the co-star as well with Kyrie Irving. To to Kevin Durant. But here's the cons about listening to players and having star players on your team. Sometimes, just like the Brooklyn Nets, just like the Los Angeles Lakers, you allow your star players to have a little too much say. And that could be the downfall for your franchise because you need to build a team. The goal of an organization to me should be To build a team that can compete and win now while also building for your future. The Brooklyn Nets unfortunately has failed to do that. You didn't know the status of Ben Simmons 100% clearly because you expected him to play. He didn't. And you're now in this situation. Now you're looking at Kyrie Irving. Didn't, you know, chose to a certain extent to not get vaccinated. Not even sure whether he did or didn't. Didn't, you know, miss, you know, a good amount of the season because of that. At least one-fourth of the season, if I'm not mistaken. 
um, because he refused to get vaccinated with all the reports about how, you know, it's causing people to die, pass out, etc. Everyone wants to know why he didn't get the vaccination. He basically informed everyone that it's none of their business what he does with his body, and that's true. But as a professional, you got to know how to communicate. Everyone knows, like, when you work in a career that pertains media, like, you know, like sports, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a commentator, you know, writer, producer, etc. There's going to be cameras in your face. There's going to be people that's always going to be in your business. Yes, you have the right to tell people to mind their damn business like Kyrie Irving pretty much did. And rightfully so. It's a free country. You say you do whatever the hell you want. But just I'll just recommend you doing it in a respectable way. But you hardly communicating. You not wanting to, you know, take the vaccine. Knowing how bad it can affect your team. Knowing the fact, you know, knowing the pandemic rate the you know the COVID-19 rate in New York City alone let alone Brooklyn and all those areas where a lot of fans be because around that time it's not just basketball it's football with the Jets and the Giants it's baseball with the Mets and the Yankees you got people coming when you are representing and then you got you know basketball as well with the Nets and the Knicks and when you got all these teams from all major sport leagues, and then you look at the WNBA, you got New York Liberty fans. Yes, there's New York Liberty fans. There's, then there's hockey as well. So it's the Rangers and the Islanders, along with, you know, who else we're missing here? The Rangers, the Islanders. I, I Crap, I think I forgot someone else, but it'll come back to me. I think that's pretty much it in New York when it comes to hockey. Rangers, Islanders. Yeah, definitely. Um, you got all these teams. So you got a lot of fans coming, not only within the U.S., but around the world. You know who's coming to New York, New York City to watch their teams play. And you got some fans who live in New York City going to other places in New York watching them play. Like Buffalo, you got the, you know, you got the Sabrines in Buffalo, you got the Bills in Buffalo. So you got upstate New York to take into consideration. You got some people from New Jersey who, you know, right across the bridge coming to watch you play you know, watch their fellow New York teams. And then you got New York fans coming there to New Jersey to watch the Giants and the Jets play because East Rutherford is where they play at, um, play and practice both that. So it's, it, I understand the cautiousness that the NBA took, especially with the New York who, well, whose governor pretty much enforced everybody to be vaccinated in order to be in public places even coming from out of state you better have your vaccination card right there on you in sight or it will be an issue or you would not be able to get in and that's and that's true that yes they let down on that last time i was in new york was like two months ago a month or two ago for my 23rd birthday and yeah you know we didn't need the vaccination card i don't believe but Yes, New York at that time had a real strict rule. And when you are a player, when you are an athlete that many fans are paying to watch, paying to invest in, that, you know, represents that city every time he puts he or she puts on that uniform, you best believe these fans are going to be pissed 
who came to watch you play are going to be pissed off when they find out that you don't want to sit here you're not playing not because you're hurt not because of a person not because of an emergency but because the fact that you decide not to follow state or city rules which in order for you to be inside a building in New York whether it's a restaurant whether it's a retail store etc or a club doesn't matter or hell let alone a sports arena where you got reporters and everyone else coming from all over the country all over the world just to be in that city you know so to protect it they enforce the rule to take the vaccination no the vaccination doesn't prevent you from getting COVID no no it doesn't but the vaccination does prevent you from dying I am a vaccinated person who did catch COVID so trust me it's someone who took it Somebody who knows firsthand. Unfortunately, you know, I caught COVID, but that was before I caught I got the vaccine, and I caught it, a, and I believe I caught it a little afterwards. But in the end, in the end, when you're a player like Kyrie Irving, who understands the rules and regulations of the state and the city that you're in, and you decide not to follow it, right there's where you went wrong. You know, you're not going to be able to enter the building. Then you have a league. That you work for within the NBA that enforces you to be vaccinated or don't play. Or if, you know, your team cannot would have to forfeit the game or whatever because you don't want to be vaccinated. In some way that is holding up your team. That is holding back your team. And that's where Kyrie Irving takes blame at. Which is why the Nets fell so, you know, fell so below the top five in the NBA, no, in the, correct me, Eastern Conference the way they did. As for Kevin Durant, son, you ain't just play up with your potential. You know, you you didn't. You were supposed to be the best player in the world. Many of you, many of them had you over LeBron. I, at one point, did until I saw LeBron this year and was like, you know what, there's no way in hell with this Laker team, the way they played this year, any, I can give you any other player that would have done better. But that's going to be on another, you know, that's another, that's another topic for another day. Kevin Durant did not play, to me, overall, did not play well this series. The first two to three games, we were asking, where the hell is Kevin Durant? Just like we were asking where Kyrie Irving is. Now, does Ben Simmons deserve blame? And should his name get thrown under the, and you know, should his name just get thrown under the rug? Like he don't have, like he's not a factor in this, even though he didn't play? No, and that's why he should get thrown, and that's why he should his name should have get thrown under the rug, because you not showing up after nearly a year of playing, and then not saying anything, not knowing this whole time that you possibly need surgery. You should have got that problem taken care of before the season, you know. And I really hope, at the bottom of my heart, that this was. You know, a situation that was brought up after the season. I hope he didn't know this entire time that he needed back surgery, knowing that he was not going to go out there and play and then just didn't say crap or the Nets didn't say crap because that's when it falls on the entire organization. Miscommunication, you know, unprofessionalism, etc., etc. Point being is this when you are the Brooklyn Nets and you have expectations. And you fall those 
you know, you failed to meet those expectations, especially getting swept, especially to a point your fans are so fed up, even in New York. And I think that's the first ever New York event. Boston fans outnumbered New York fans. That's like the freaking Boston, you know, the Boston Red Sox outnumbering the New York Yankees in Yankee Stadium. The Red Sox fans won't even outnumber the Nets. I mean, outnumber the Mets. Let alone the freaking Yankees. And everyone, and I know some people say, well, what does baseball got to do with this? I'm just, you know, letting you know. Or if you, you know, you want me to keep it more basketball, let's do that. Do you think the Boston Celtics will outsell the New York Knicks? Or outnumber the New York Knicks fans in Madison Square Garden? Do you think the Bruins will outnumber the freaking, you know, Islanders or the Rangers? I don't think so. That's the point of all of this. So the fact that, you know, it happened for the final series, they just told them that, you know what, we give up. Screw y'all. You don't care about us. We don't care about you. To a point that majority of them, I bet you majority of them, took the risk and actually called in the front office or called in the communication center and was like, you know what? Give me my money back. This team is not worth my money because that's how much hope they gave me and that's how bad they let me down. You're not worth my investment. Majority, like, it was a video on Twitter where an entire, entire, entire freaking stadium, like the whole damn arena, correct me, was was empty it was empty it's like nobody was looking that's probably the lowest attendance rating in Boston in the Boston Celtics game history on the road that's how bad you know things has gotten in New York then it just came out that Ben Simmons needed surgery it's gonna take a three to four month recovery two to four month recovery then I just read an article on in, reported by NBC sports where the Nets lost unfortunately ladies and gentlemen they have lost 50 to 100 million dollars this season that's right they have lost 50 to 100 million dollars this season which is crazy Really? The Nets and Barclays Center has lost 50 to $100 million combined for the 2021-22 season? Tysa perhaps the worst financial losses in NBA in the entire league. The Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets that got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and their lineup with Steve Nash coaching, who's a former league MVP in his own right. Wow. And, you know, Joe Tysa bought the Nets for about $2.35 billion in the beginning of 2017 and a partial share. Then wind up taking full control. The Nets are now worth $3.2 billion. See, this is not only, this is what I mean. And why did they lose money? Because they're not playing up to their potential. That's why I brought this up. So when many ask um, who 
does all the blame fall on and who majority of the blame should fall on? Yes, it falls on Kyrie Irving. Yes, it falls on Kevin Durant. It definitely falls on Ben Simmons for not showing his ass up. But it also falls on the front office because how much of your foot did you put down? How much did you invest in the players around them? Yes, them three should be enough to win the Eastern Conference, you know, Eastern Conference. But you got to look at the teams in Miami. You know, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, with with their head coach is no joke. That's no joke right there. Then you got to look at the 76ers. You gave Joe Embiid James Harden for Ben Simmons, who didn't play a damn down. Yes, you should feel suckered if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan because... You pretty much invested your money in a big old pal of superstars of, I'm going to say, combined of a team with nothing. D- that's a better word. That's a better term to put it. Kyrie Irving, no question, is a stud. Vice versa with Kevin Durant, both future basketball Hall of Famers. Ben Simmons is up in the air because you got to show your team that you're reliable. And ever since June of 2020 or June of 2021, nearly a year, if not over a year, you have not shown that if you're Ben Simmons. So who does the blame fall on? It, It falls on everybody. It falls on everybody. It falls on the players because you did not play up to your full potential. You didn't. Not in the series and damn near this whole season. There is no reason why the Brooklyn Nets should have barely gotten the playoffs like that. And why it took a play-in tournament to get your asses in. But yeah, I know some will come for me because I'm a Laker fan saying, yeah, same with your Lakers. Yeah, I understand that. But we're not talk- I'm not talking about the Lakers right now. I am talking about the Brooklyn Nets. And here's why. Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving. James Harden was the headline of the entire Eastern Conference this entire the entire offseason all the way up until they were officially swept and eliminated out of the playoffs by the Boston Celtics out of the playoffs by the Boston Celtics so this is why then if you didn't get James Harden On paper, you had Ben Simmons. Not on the court, obviously, but on paper. Which leads to question number two. Should the Brooklyn Nets attempt to trade Ben Simmons? Unfortunately, you got to look at options. He's not guaranteed to be the same coming off of back surgery. He's not, you know, guaranteed to be reliable. Yes, we understand he's a hell of a player and a hell of an X factor when he is on the basketball when he is on the basketball court. Nobody's taking that from him. Or at least I'm not. You know, many would still do because of what happened within these past two years. Him getting hurt, not showing up, miscommunication. The stories is now coming out when it's all said and done, when expectations are not met that, you know, he's not playing. Or he has, you know, he needs back surgery. You know, this is a lot. This is this is a lot to talk about here. But in the end, you got to think about it from this. You got to think about it from this. Here's the deal with all of this. Blame falls on everybody in that organization. They should start shopping for ben, options for Ben Simmons because he is not 
the one that's guaranteed to be bothered. You know, he's not the one guaranteed to be there for your team. Truth be told, he's practically almost injury prone and unreliable. And when your team and when you got a player of his caliber that's unreliable, Brooklyn Nets, who should be knocking at the door of an NBA championship, and they're not, and they're not, you got to think about that. You got to think about the options. You got to think about getting younger because you possibly is facing a rebuild mode, vice versa with the Los Angeles Lakers. You got to think about life after Kevin Durant. You got to think about life after Kyrie Irving. Because they've been around here, you know, since the early 2010s. And now we're nearly in the mid-2020s. You got to think about all of that. Time is ticking. What are going to be your plans? What are going to be your plans this year? Is Ben Simmons going to be able to play this year? Is he going to play this year? Now, he's expected to make a full recovery. Yes, no question. But you got to think about all of this. This is a lot the process when expectations are met and players who are supposed to be there for your team and supposed to be the reasons why those expectations are supposed to be met, which is why they exist, are not there. That lies a problem. That's an organizational problem. That's an organizational failure because you didn't have enough pieces around them, which is why what happened to them happened. You didn't really know 100%. The status of a player's health. Because I don't think it would have been wise. I think the Brooklyn Nets would have been the dumbest team. If they would have known that Ben Simmons was not going to play this season. Off the get go that he was not going to play this season. And gave away James Harden for for Ben Simmons. And don't have a damn backup plan. You know that that to me is mind blowing. So, yes, that's pretty much all I got to say for this and for the rest of this episode. Thank you to who all who tuned in. I'm A. Shayla. I am signing out. And this has been The Mike Bomb. See you next episode. Something to say There's a fear out there And it's coming your way Don't let it stop you From living for what you were made It's not a dream It's a destiny Blessed is he When the whole world Listens to this mess in me There's a message inside What you get from me A little life Little love That's a recipe So when the world is crashing down And you feel the weight On your shoulders Try to pick it up But you're steady Stacking up boulders Every day's a gift Never miss it Getting older Blessing in the struggle Know that you're just On the road to a life You were born to live So I wake up every day and just give it what I'm born to give Everything in me and nothing less While this heart's still beating up inside my chest this Welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast The podcast where the bombs get thrown Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode This is your host, May Shayla, exiting out But before I do I would like to take the time to thank everyone who has subscribed, follow, and listened to the podcast and for your overall support and love. If you are interested in getting more news and updates about the podcast, such as new episodes, new seasons, you can now subscribe and follow the podcast 
on your favorite platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Pandora Radio, Google Podcasts, and much more. Or you can visit www.themikebomb.com for news updates within your favorite sport leagues along with more news about the podcast. Thank you for your support and see you next episode.